sat and welcome to the first episode of season three of an all-new jackass cast and if you have been here before then you'll know that we discuss everything to do with canada's greatest export that is corner gas the sitcom that rules the world especially in canada today we have a very special guest for our first episode the boss man himself mr brent butt now it's been a funny time for us Corner Gas fans because season four of Corner Gas Animated was announced a few weeks ago. It's now airing on CTV Comedy in Canada, uh, soon to be uh, released in the US, I'm sure, via Amazon IMDb TV. But on the same day, and in the same sentence, not only did they announce season four, but they announced that it was the final season. The last season we're going to get of Corner Gas animated. So we all went, hurrah! Oh, oh dear. It all went horribly wrong at the end when Brent made the announcement on uh, YouTube and social media and such like. So press came round for the new season and I got myself involved. I wasn't going to, to be honest. I had decided that um, my press interviewing days are over because I find them very stressful. You only get a certain amount of time. I don't want to waste anybody's time asking questions that might have been asked a million times already. And I, I, Most of the interviews I do for the Jackass cast, I've arranged by myself privately. And you get a little bit of extra time and it, it's a bit more of a relaxed affair. I should probably explain that uh, press interviews, uh, they go on junkets. The cast go on junkets and promote the show when a new season comes around and they talk to all the media outlets they get asked lots of questions about how the show's going to be and how great it is and what would they expect from the new season etc yada 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 and i come in and sneak in the back door on those little junkets uh, but it's all organized via the production company and some kind people there that help me um, get in and speak to a few people that i might not normally get to speak to because they don't do a lot of interviews and what have you. Um, so it's I find it very stressful, and I didn't really fancy putting myself through it again, because you don't want to waste anybody's time. I know they've got more important people to talk to than little old me in my garage, in my leaky garage. And so I kind of decided I wasn't going to do it. But then, when they announced it was the final season, I thought, ah, maybe I ought to... Uh, I'll make a request because I might not get to do it again. I might not get that official thing. There might not be anything more to talk about. So I got in touch and Brent jumped at the chance, I'm sure, to talk to me yet again. Uh, but he did and he was very kind. And do you know what? I think this is the nicest chat I've had with Brent so far over my career with Corner Gas Fan Corner. It seemed very much more relaxed and li like I do when I do the bigger interviews that I've arranged it was sort of chilled 
I don't know why, but th that's why I've also this episode you might notice I've edited it slightly differently and I've left a lot of the natural rhythms of the the chat ordinarily I'd cut out a lot of pauses and bits and bobs but I felt like this just sounded nice organically so I left it as it is so it's a bit longer than you'd normally get so I hope you enjoy that I hope it makes a difference to you so anyway we talk a lot about season four, a few other things. There's, I know a lot of you have got questions, wanted asking. So I asked some for you. Some of you guys came onto my Facebook page. Uh, if you're not a member already, head to Facebook and join Corner Gas Fan Corner, the group. That's where all the excitement happens in all of social media. Don't worry about any of that other stuff, Twitter and Instagram and Flicky Flack or whatever it's called that's the place to be head on over there there's all sorts of corner gas shenanigans going on with a lot of fantastic people so i asked members of the group if they wanted to ask questions of brent and i put them to him now i had a lot of questions given to me and to all those people that took part i appreciate it and thank you very much but i didn't have enough time to ask many of them because as I say, it was kind of a relaxed affair. We were just gassing. We were, were yapping like a um, dog in front of a T-bone steak. Yes. So we uh, we ran out of time, I'm afraid, for a lot of them. But I squeezed in as many as I could for you. If you're some of the lucky few that got their questions asked, well done. And I hope you enjoy hearing the answers. So to the rest of you, here's the interview. Enjoy it. And I'll be back at the end to yap at you some more. Lovely to see you again, sir. Likewise. Yeah. And how, how's things been? Everything well? Yeah, been all right. No, no complaints, you know. Yeah. Just powering through. Well, you? Got, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, not bad at all. Yeah, I'm finally uh, back at work and things are starting to get back to normal over here now. 60,000 people at a football match seems a little bit excessive. but uh, yeah. Too much too soon. <laughs> It does a little bit, but um, but we won by luck more than judgment, I feel. But uh, hey, these things happen. Yeah. England's been known to lose by luck in the past, so you got it all comes out in the wash. Yeah, indeed. I'm going to have to edit that out, though, otherwise I'll be getting lots of emails from angry people. So yeah, I saw you got double jabbed, and so you're all safe. And you I can, did. Um, well, you know, it's, uh, it takes a couple weeks at least before you maximizing your protective so i got another you know a few days before when did i get it done on sunday i can't even remember now but anyway i'm getting close Excellent. but I'm, I'm double vaxxed anyway yes indeed do, do, do you ask for any particular superpower no the last thing i need is more superpowers i'm like the super scroll as it is i'm i i have all the abilities of the fantastic four in uh, one entity uh, so i'm maxed out i just asked for a sticker and i didn't get one or a lollipop yeah, they were just doling out stickers left, right, and center. Where I was, they you couldn't you couldn't leave without a sticker. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the chap that the chap that was doing my jab too. He was. Did you ever see the Carry On films? Um, I did see some of them. There was long a before I should have been allowed to see them. I you know, <laughs> I had uh, some of my friends had very young, like groovy, cool parents who were like very much more open than my parents were in terms of what children should be allowed yeah. to view. Yeah. And so, yeah, sometimes at their house, uh, there'd be a carry on movie on TV or something and the kids would be allowed to watch 
there was an actor on there called Jack Douglas, and his thing, his his bit of shtick was that he had ticks and he kept chucking things about the place all the time, and his head was going, his arms going. That was the guy that was doing my jab. Nice. I thought it was going to go right up my hooter, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't inspire confidence. It doesn't, and but he, he do you know, what? I didn't even feel it going in, but I had the biggest bruise. Filled me. I was running out the door. If it wasn't for a um, social etiquette, I stayed there. Brave, a big brave soldier. Yeah, it's got to be done, you know. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And it's time to start uh, shutting down media outlets that fuel. These <laughs> lunatic conspiracy theories, you know, it's time to just go, listen, you're, you're bad for the public good. You're spreading lies and misinformation knowingly. And uh, it's time to drop the hammer on some of these uh, super irresponsible outlets. Oh yeah. There's, there's too many of them and, but it will, it, it won't ever happen if they get shut down, somebody else will do it. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's, that's the problem. There's too much, uh, too much money in politics right now, and a lot of the money is coming from these haywire media outlets. I don't know how bad the the money in politics situation is in the UK. It's not bad in Canada. We have, we have a as opposed to the states where it's ridiculously rampant because they have this notion that money is free speech and yeah. and uh, any corporation can give any amount of money to uh, a politician. So in Canada, the way it's kind of countered here, as I understand it, which is, I think is a little more savvy. It doesn't matter how much money you raise, you can only spend so much in campaigning. So it puts everybody in a level playing field. You have connections where you can raise $8 billion and the person you're running against can only raise 2 million. You're only allowed to spend the same amount. So it doesn't matter. Your your connections to high big money don't give you the same advantage um, and that's one way to curtail it. But in the States, a lot of these um, really irresponsible news outlets are controlling the message, in essence, um, mm. because they are contributing so many millions and millions and millions of dollars to put to put politicians in their pocket. Yeah, yeah. We don't really have that problem over here. It's all fairly... Um level level headed the the coverage really you will hear from a few loons but they are reported as loons generally right um which is a good thing it's good to have a graphic on screen like have somebody talking (laughs) a loon graphic (laughs) yeah you can usually tell by the way that one eye spinning around and um (laughs) how many some of them are very smooth right that's the issue some of them it's like albert brooks in the broadcast news saying what do you think the devil's going to look like when he shows up he's going to (laughs) be handsome and dashing he's not going to be have horns and hairy legs he's going to be william hurt right yeah absolutely yeah (laughs) bidding well we're almost out of lockdown to full stop allegedly so we'll see we'll see how it all goes but we're starting to get back to normal and yeah, um, the light's at the end of the tunnel now. You can kind of see it. If, if people do things smartly and properly, it's yes. science-based. Well, I, I best uh, talk to you about the show a little bit. Let's before. dive in. Yeah, let's. So, bit of a roller coaster of emotions um, of recent. Um, I've been getting all sorts of people. Some some of them are going yay, and then immediately going ooh because season four is here and it's the final season. Corn and gas. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the classic example of bittersweet, right? It's kind of the classic. Yeah. But the way I look at it is you got to look at it as uh, sweet, 
for, for me anyway, it's like, this is something I never thought was going to happen in the first place. I didn't, I never thought, you know, this, this TV show idea, this treatment for a TV show that I wrote initially, I just, you know, the way I do a lot of things is I just purge them from my head, whether it's a drawing or whether it's a, uh, uh, a tune, uh, I got to get it out because otherwise um, there are certain things that stick in my head and bounce around in there. And the only way to get it out is to put it down on paper. Yeah. And so this was one of those ideas. What would my life be like if I hadn't got into comedy? I'd probably be hanging at a gas station that felt like it could be a funny TV show. So I wrote it as a treatment, but then just shelved it because I didn't think anybody would ever watch a show about a gas station in Saskatchewan. It doesn't sound like a red hot pitch. <laughs> Yeah, I would have, I probably would have done nothing with it had it not been for David's story, who, who, you know, as a director that I'd worked with on a couple of things, he said to me, listen, the network's interested in doing a show. Do you have any ideas? That's how it came to light. So for something that I never thought was going to go anywhere, that I, I thought I was never going to even show anybody, to, to end up with 107 live action episodes, uh, a theatrical feature film, and almost 50 episodes of an animated series based on that original idea is just so beyond what I ever hoped that, you know, I just got to look at it as a blessing from top to bottom. I mean, was it hard to know that you had to make that announcement to everyone that, that uh, the fans are just going to be uh, stunned? I think well, is probably the word for it. They just didn't see it coming because everything's been going so well with all the... Yeah. Yeah, the numbers, numbers are good. It's uh, you know the the response from people is good. That, but these there's always a, there are many many variables when it comes to deciding whether a show gets picked up or not. And I would be talking through my hat if I tried to uh, say here 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 they all are. These are all the uh, contingencies because <laughs> it's some it's outside of my wheelhouse. But I know that there are many variables, and the number of people watching while it's a big one, it's also a uh, it's one of many variables that have to be considered and you know broadcast te television isn't generating the revenue it once did everything is fractured in the world of media now yeah it's just you know hard decisions had to be made on some level that didn't involve us that's the thing right now like getting a lot of people say to me why did you decide to why are you pulling the plug in the show and i have to keep saying i'm not yeah yeah is that because of um like netflix and the like is that's what is that what's causing the an issue like that uh, but yeah, part, part of that, like streaming services, but also just the, you know, I mean, it, it's a sliding scale, right? Like when there were three large broadcast networks in the States and two broadcast networks in Canada, there were, that's the place where the eyeballs went. Yeah. And then there were 10 and then there were 50 and then there were 290. And then there's almost an infinite number of broadcast outlets with, with cable TV. And then you add on top of that streaming, which you don't have to endure commercials and you can watch when you want at the precise time. So this, the standard kind of broadcast television model has been fractioned over the last 30 years. 40 years, the same number of eyeballs are being shared in an infinitely greater number of places. And then add on top of that, here's this other thing where you can watch when you want, as much as you want. <laughs> and so the, the old broadcast model is just, it's not generating the way it used to be, understandably so. Yeah, yeah. Trying to adapt and overcome. They got to roll, they got to figure something out, roll with it.
Yes. Yeah. That's uh, adapt and adjust like a Marine overcome, <laughs> adapt and overcome. <laughs> so I, I've been hearing that you saved the best till last that season four is a bit special. Season four is uh, no doubt in my mind. And, and you know, the, the, I've heard the same from all the crew and the writers and the actors that they're the best episode so far. The scripts, I feel, as a, as a writing team, I feel we really hit our stride in season four. I think we got better each season, as you would expect. And season four just feels like we had the rhythms down. We we're coming up with good jokes and good gags and everything. You know, we were kind of writing for for this show as opposed to the first couple of seasons we were writing to convert an existing show into something else. Um, it felt like we were now writing for this show. There's no doubt in my mind this is the best season. Award ceremony, award season for season three, and you did very well for that. And congratulations to Nancy, by the way. Oh, yes, yes. And uh, and Andrew uh, for his uh, screen. Well, well fought. He's been trying to get that award for a long time. I know he's told me. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he ultimately bribed somebody. Yeah, well, I wouldn't be surprised either. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride came to mind when I saw that come. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, he's he's uh, the guy who's been with us right from the beginning. Uh, he and I are the only two who've written on every season and uh, of live action and the movie and animated. So it's great to see him get some uh, get some glitter, get some bling for his abilities. He's a he's a talented, hardworking guy. He's such a nice guy too. I'm, I'm hoping to talk to him again soon, actually. I'm not asking yet, but I'm going <laughs> to. Yeah, he's, uh, I've known him since uh, 1988. I don't know if I told you the, that's where I, like I met him. We, we started um, at the same comedy club. We were on amateur night together. Mm. So I've known him a, for a long time. He put a picture up on Facebook the other day, actually. Uh, of, I didn't recognize it, but you were in it. And I, I, I don't know who's that. Oh, it's Brent. <laughs> I don't know how it's, old it was, but it was it was young he, Brent. Like babes, babes in arms. Was it? Um, I bet I know the picture, and that would have been probably like 1994-ish or something, because I think it was the tour that he and I and Joel Wamsley did, the Lords of Flatland tour, where we toured around yes. Saskatchewan. We were three co comedians from Saskatchewan originally, and we went back and did the tour. Yes, I think he did mention that in the little blurb on that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it, it was nice to see. There's a bit of history there. Yeah, it's lovely. Big lush head of hair on me. Yeah, absolutely. Big, big coiffure. Looking very much like John Travolta. Probably about 30 more pounds on me as well. I was. I, I can't say that without my lawyer being here. <laughs> well, I'll, 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 ha I'll say it happily because that was, you know, there I am in my 20s and it's that notion of, uh, oh, well, I can eat and drink anything I want in whatever quantity I want. <laughs> and I'm going to live forever. Of so course. it's, you know, it's a little different now that I'm uh, 50 plus and a little more, eh, is this going to kill me if I <laughs> have this cake? You got to think that in, right? But when you're 20, you're just like, I should have, uh, you know, the Big Mac and the quarter pounder of cheese and the cheeseburger. I shouldn't be making decisions. I should consume everything at all times. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're reminding me of uh, the Tex Avery uh, cartoon, the droopy one with the sheep. It goes across America, just everything, uh, the big line of sheep, going everything oh, yeah. going across. <laughs> yeah, I was a tremendous uh, con consumer of, uh, of food and drink yeah. in my 20s, <laughs> through oh, my well, 30s. Really up until Corner Gas started, that's when I put the brakes on. First of all, I decided to lose some weight so that um, 
because I, I didn't want to, I thought if I'm going to be on TV every week, I don't want to be 245 pounds. I, I stand five foot nine. I should drop some pounds. And, and also I got my teeth fixed because I was self-conscious. I had crazy snarly wolf boy teeth. So <laughs> leading up to corner gas, I really trimmed down. I got down to about 215 pounds. Throughout the seasons, you can see me balloon back up as I got comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I started, I got down to about 215 pounds to start the season. And, um, and like literally like days before we started filming, I had my teeth finished. All right. These uh, snazzy choppers <laughs> to the point where I had to, it was, it was nip and tuck because I had to kind of learn how to, I had to relearn how to talk, how to pronounce certain words. Oh, really? Yeah. And TH words were a trick for me because I was used to having, when I had the crazy snarly wolf boy teeth, the wind would whistle through with ease. And then I got this solid wall of porcelain. And I, if I came to a TH word, I, it would just stop me in my tracks. So I had to relearn how to do it. And for whatever reason, I feel like I may have told you this story before. I'm not sure. You can edit it out if I have. Okay. We were shooting the, the first two episodes that we shot because we, we, we would shoot two at a time together. Ruby Reborn and the Tax Man. And in the Taxman episode, I believe it is, there's a scene right at the beginning where Brent's at the counter at the Ruby and he's got a newspaper. And I had to say to Lacey, because I'm talking about getting free refills and she's saying, well, how many free refills did he used to get? And I said something along the lines of uh, the line ended with me saying it was within reason. Well, the word within had the TH in it and it was stopping me in my tracks. I literally <laughs> couldn't say it. Every take it'd be like, I would say it was with, it was with, I couldn't <laughs> say it was within reason, but I, I found just by chance that whatever, for whatever reason, if I touched my tongue just before saying it, I could say it within, <sighs> within. So what I ended up doing is I, that's why I said, get me a newspaper. So I could say just before saying that line, I licked my thumb like I was going to turn the page. So you yes. can, if you watch that episode of the oh, tax man, you can see me go, it was within reason. And I turned the page <laughs> and that was completely because I had to touch my tongue in order to say within. Ah, genius. Excellent. Oh. Cause I, now you've said all that. I remember when I first started writing and I was researching your background, I Googled you and at the bottom where it says oh, things other people have searched for, it said Brent butt teeth. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still have the mold. Oh, here's Oliver coming in. Oh, hello, Oliver. Oliver, hey, buddy. Oliver, Hi. speaking of teeth, he just had to have a whole big tooth thing done yesterday. He had to go under complete anesthetic, which is, you know, he's a 12 year old dog, so that can be tricky. But he came through with flying colors. Oh, excellent. Good work, Oliver. He was I, unhappy. I, well, but, understandably, you know, I, was, um, it, it, I saw the pictures of him with his cone on, was it a couple of weeks ago? And, yeah. Uh, our household lit up with, oh, so we could hear, oh, <laughs> bless him. <laughs> Poor little guy. Anyway, he's doing great. Yeah, excellent. Good news. He's looking good. As handsome as ever. Yeah. Takes after his uncle Ian. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, guests this season, you've got some good ones and some returning or a returning guest in Mr. Mark McKinney. Yeah, Mark McKinney, who has, so I was out there blabbing i don't know what kind of uh, mental meltdown i had but i was blabbing to people that mark mckinney was the 
only person to do guest star roles in the live action and then animated. Mm. I'm saying it with a very high level of confidence. And then it was, uh, it was uh, pointed out to me that, what, what are you talking about? Jan Arden did both. And I was like, oh no, I've said <laughs> yeah. it in 20 interviews. <laughs> oh, nice. So yeah, so I apologized uh, on the Twitter to Jan Arden saying what I had done. And she said she can't stop crying. Oh, bless her. I, but yeah, this season we have uh, Mark McKinney was in the uh, uh, first, very first episode, very funny uh, episode where he plays a uh, he plays a pilot, a less than reputable airline pilot um, that offers a skydiving school. And Lacey's uh, she wants to go up because her lifelong dream has been to jump out of a plane. Wanda goes with her because her lifelong dream has been to push somebody out of a plane. And <laughs> so their their dreams gel. Oh, is it? so it's not. I, I, I assumed he was going to be playing the same character as previous, the American. No, very, very uh, versatile thespian. He's uh, he's got a lot of range. Yes, indeed. And who else do we have? Uh, Rick Mercer, um, who's a big Canadian, um, mostly political leaning comedian, hosted uh, an, a couple of TV shows. You know, he's been on Canadian TV you know, longer than I have, certainly. Um, mm. Fantastic, funny guy. Um, and uh, Simu Liu, who's going to be the new Shang-Chi in the Marvel yes. uh, universe. Yeah. He, uh, he does a cameo. And um, Kim Coates plays a... Uh, he, he, we had him on, and this is maybe my favorite little scene that I've ever <laughs> written. Of the fantasy sequences, this might be my favorite one I've ever written because Kim Coates plays a biker who has a uh, tattoo of Oscar on his shoulder and the tattoo <laughs> won't shut up. It's just, <laughs> he wants to remove his own tattoo because it's just nattering at him constantly. <laughs> Kim Coates is a bit, I, uh, over here, you, you, we'd, we wouldn't know him very well, but he, he turns up in a lot of films. I'm thinking- He's in, um, Sons of Anarchy was a big uh, series that he was in. Yeah, I think he was in a film called Stakeland, if memory says, a vampire one. I remember. Right. He's one of those faces. He's a, originally uh, from Saskatchewan as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah. He's a Saskatoon, yeah. Saskatchewan fellow. He's one of those faces you always know, but you never know his name over here. I think you, to, not to be unfair to him, but um, right. Yeah. I, yeah, he's been in he's been in a million things. Uh, he's got quite a quite a uh, quite a big fan base. There's a guy yes. with a big cult following, and uh, Tantu Cardinal and uh, Stephen Page. So yeah, oh. it's a you know something that people co have come to expect from Corner Gas is uh, cameos and guest stars, and uh, this season doesn't disappoint. Indeed, I was I was glad to see Stephen Page actually because I'm forever trying to crowbar him into whatever I've written on the website. Is <laughs> oh, <yeah? laughs> Well, because of his, because he, obviously the Stephen Page trio features Craig, Craig Northey. Right, right. Um, and I, I've always been a fan of Bare Naked Ladies and Stephen in general. So, and also Kevin Fox, who's in the trio. Right. But getting to write about them uh, and make it relevant is very difficult. Um, but now I have an excuse. Perfect. Yeah. Relevant, relevant. <laughs> Here's the only relevancy anybody needs for anything. Oh, this came to mind. That's why that's my background from stand up. It's like, oh, here's something I thought about. Never uh, mind if it has to do with what we were talking about earlier. Here's, another, <laughs> yeah. here's a different thought I had. So just roll with it. I, I, cre I create what well, I say, I created, I, I stole uh, Six Degrees from, of Kevin Bacon, the game, right. 
where you take an actor and try and connect him to Kevin Bacon by roles um, within six moves or less. I did six degrees of corner gas. Oh, yeah. River, uh, and that's how I got them in. Uh, and I made those connections very um, spurious at best um, to try uh, and make people laugh. Whether they laughed or not, I have no idea. <laughs> it's, that, the fact, it's the effort that counts. I saw a, a trail, I think it was the very first one, had when the guests came up, there was a silhouette with a question mark in it. And right. that disappeared. Is, is, is that something we can talk about? Is there a secret guest coming? Well, yeah. I mean, I can't talk to you about who we have coming, but there's there was somebody that was on my, you know, you kind of put your dream list together. I've, all, I've always had sort of like a dream list, a wish list. Bob Newhart was a big one for live action. I really wanted to get Bob Newhart. I had this story idea where he, he would play Oscar's father, my grandfather, <laughs> and he was much more like me, uh, very laid back. So suddenly you would have this, the same dynamic that Oscar and Brent have, but you reverse it to where Oscar's the kid feeling, you know, uh, pressured by his, in his mind, he was, his father was always on his case, but he, he absolutely wasn't. He was most, so that was kind of the story idea I had. And I, I wanted Bob Newhart to play that part. I thought it'd be perfect. I wrote the idea but specifically with the idea of getting Bob mm. Newhart to play the part. And we, we ended up not getting him. I think we were close. He was certainly considering it and he was in talks with us, but he, he had said he didn't want to do any more half hour uh, TV comedy. Oh, okay. Uh, he later went on to do a lot of half hour TV comedy <laughs> after just for the record. But anyway, <laughs> but that didn't happen. But also like one of my uh, uh, dream guests for Corner Gas Animators with Michael J. Fox. And we were able to make that one happen. So you, you put your dream list together. So this was somebody, there was somebody on my dream list that I really wanted to get while kind of simultaneously thinking, okay, this is never going to happen. We can't write an episode that is hingent upon this person being in the episode because there's a great likelihood this will never happen. <laughs> and then it did happen. So, so yeah, but we're not in a position where, uh, for whatever reason that we can talk publicly about it, but, mm. uh, I'm, I'm grinning like a maniac knowing that we were able to land the, the people that was on my dream list. Oh, that's fantastic. I just, just like the idea that some, because they disappeared from the, the more recent trailers and people may have missed it. So I like dropping it out there so people can still keep an eye out for it. Yeah, we do have, we, we have some KG interesting secrets in this, in this season that i can't uh, completely talk about but fun interesting currently secretive things <laughs> that are coming in, down the pipe so i think it's a you know it's a it's a great way to end the run season yeah. four a lot of fun stuff in that we've we've spoken quite a lot uh of, of you know over the last four or five years and uh, because i'm very lazy as well i decided to open up some questions to the people on my uh social media savvy so savvy move down there for dancing I, I hope you're prepared for some sort of frost nixon style questioning because there's, there's some hard I'm questions here for. hard hitting it's the like, beauty of this is that any question that i feel is too difficult or i don't i can feign technical issues right what <laughs> i'm not i owned not irkin <laughs> yeah exactly that was ronald reagan used to do that really well sorry i can't Sorry, I can't hear you. <laughs> I've decided to open up with the hardest one. Sure. Came, and I apologize to anyone who's listening, and I, if I pronounce any of these names incorrectly, but uh, Fritz Weissin asks, 
What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Vanilla, yet to be beaten. Now, there would be some people that would say, of course you love vanilla. You're, you're the embodiment of vanilla, which I wear as a badge of honor. There's no higher honor than to be. <laughs> I, I just feel like, and there are certainly many terrific flavors, but I feel in some regard, they're all trying too damn hard. And vanilla is just like this pure essence of deliciousness. It's like, look, we've been around for 900 years. We ain't going anywhere. And you can have your tiger, tiger. You can have your uh, coconut, cherry, bonanza. Whatever. You can have all, and they're fine. I, I you want to have bubblegum flavored ice cream? Terrific. But <laughs> I, I've, and I'm open. I'm always on the lookout. I try new flavors. I'm always on the lookout for something to come and usurp vanilla has yet to happen. I wrote in my, my notes as a follow-up is when does ice cream get too fancy? So I think we've covered that. Yeah, I'm all for people trying. Keep trying. Keep swinging. Keep coming up with these wacky flavors because maybe one, one day you'll hit something that beats vanilla, but uh, I'm not going to hold my breath. No, no, absolutely. I completely agree with you there. Although, although salted caramel comes close. but uh... It's kind of like I feel like it's sort of like cheddar. There are many, many cheeses that I love, but if you could, if somebody said you can only have one cheese for the rest of your life, cheddar, right? It's, yeah, it's everything you want from a cheese. <laughs> Although Swiss is, uh, is better for you because the calories, if you just eat the holes. Listen, if we're talking about what you're going to do for your health, we're not going to get into a just eat cheese scenario. <laughs> this is, you're chasing a... <laughs> It's an implausible uh, scenario you've, you've created. Uh, ice cream and cheese. Cheese ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, next next one is from Irene. I, 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 um, oh, oh, man, some of these names. <laughs> Irene Garnew. Where did the term jackass come from? Jackass. It's one of my, I, I should, uh, saying, saying regret is too big of a, it's putting too much gravity on it. But one of the things that, uh, and I, I, I bugged Eric about this sometimes because it, jackass was like my favorite thing to say. I would say it all the time. I would call people a jackass. And a buddy of mine, Jamie Hutchinson, who played uh, Rocket Ronnie Raymore in the live action episode. And he's a very funny stand-up. We, we tour together a lot. He's, he's uh, one, of, one of my closest buddies. And I had, in the early days of cell phones, when they came out with, you could say the person's name and it would dial the phone. I programmed my phone so that if I said jackass into my phone, his phone would ring. <laughs> um, and sometimes I'd do it with just the two of us sitting there. I would pick up my phone and go jackass. And this one. <laughs> so I loved saying the word jackass. And I just naturally wrote it into the script, but it was Oscar saying it. It just stuck. It connected. It seemed like something that Oscar should say often and a lot. And it became his thing. But there was the part of me that was like, ah, oh, I gave away my thing. I can't go around saying jackass anymore because people would be like, hey, that's yeah. the other character's thing. <laughs> so I had to sort of let it go. But that's where it came from. I just loved saying it. So it, was, it very naturally found its way into the, the early scripts. Dave Kovacs and Loretta Jones asked a similar question in that, were there any scenes or jokes that you regret doing or any that you regret not doing over the period of the show? Well, there have been... There have been thousands of jokes that we had to cut for time. 
uh, you know, I don't think there are any jokes that we decided to cut because they were, you know, distasteful or offensive or anything like that. It just kind of wasn't the type of show that Corner Gas is. I may be completely wrong about that. There may be people getting offended morning, noon, and night by by the show. But I can't think of any that we, off the top of my head, that we just decided not to do because it was, you know, improper or distasteful or something. Usually those edits would come in the writing room. It'd be like somebody would say something that we maybe think is funny, but also could be taken out of context, could be offensive or could be, and we just say, well, that's not something we don't, you know, we were never looking to offend anybody. But I know there have been a lot of funny jokes that we just had to cut for time because one of the, one of the uh, most difficult things about editing a show, when you're editing a show that is a, you know, story-based, it has a beginning, middle, and an end like our show does, each episode, you know, and, and often the storylines are tied together so that they culminate, they kind of dovetail together. So there are things that have to stay in the story that maybe aren't necessarily funny, but they have to be there in order for the ending to make sense. Whereas oftentimes the funniest things are sort of standalone bits that aren't tied to a story. They're just something funny somebody says. And um, so what ends up happening, the, 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 the curse of it all is that you often end up having to cut a lot of funny stuff and keep unfunny stuff because the unfunny stuff is the glue that's holding the story together. And so in order for the final line to make sense, you have to have this other thing. So that's one of the, the difficult realities of, of editing together shows that have a, you know, a storyline a beginning, middle, and end, as opposed to like, you know, just sketches or a uh, gag based show. It's yeah. So that lots of great jokes have been cut and gone to the ether. Do you save them by for a rainy day or do you say, Oh, I don't know. We sort of keep a file in the writing room of, it was like, that's a funny gag. Keep it because maybe we can fit it into another script in the future. But I can't recall if we ever actually pulled one of those gags out of that file and into, because you just end up writing other jokes. I've got, we're, we're running low on time. I've got a thousand of these. I've, I'll pick one more. Ian Cobb asked, will we ever see a No Clue 2? I doubt it. I love the idea of it. But, um, you know, it's just one of those things that's like, uh, in order to create a sequel to something, it has to have generated a certain amount of attention and or revenue. And, you know, Canadian films just often don't do that. Um, so I, I certainly don't think that it, it created the revenue that would warrant saying, well, we got to get another one of these. Mm. But I, from a creative standpoint, I, lo I loved the character. Leo Falloon was just, I mean, I just like the notion of somebody who outwardly you would think is not very good at something. And it, it's mainly because they have, they've, li they've lived a fairly safe life and they haven't tried much. And then unwittingly gets pulled into a situation very, very, where he's in over his head immediately. And he, he taps into resources he didn't realize he had. So one of the things I liked about it was just this guy who, you know, it's kind of the classic bumbling detective idea, but with the notion that, oh, he's actually better at this than you would think. And, um, and also I liked the notion that at the end, he solved everything except who the killer was. He put everything together except he had the wrong killer. 
<laughs> which I thought was, you know, not to give myself plaudits or anything, but I just I liked that twist. And then the Kyra character says to him, you know, you, you're, you're really quite good at this. You missed one small detail who the killer was, but that's, you know, unimportant. Yeah. But he, he literally pieced everything else together. It's, but I, I liked playing that character and I would love to do it again. I just don't think there's a demand for it. Yeah, but I, I'm also very happy with how the film came together. The only thing I would change in it is I think I would rewrite the first eight or 10 minutes because I feel it starts slow. I started it in a very traditional detective way where, you know, damsel in distress comes in to see the detective, explains the scenario, convinces him to help her. That's a, uh, but it's, it doesn't live in today's kind of world as well. It's a slow way to start. I, I started that movie with three talking head scenes back to back, which isn't a great way to start. Right. It should have been, could have been a little more dynamic, but after about that nine or 10 minute mark, when my character Leo begins investigating, I think everything clips along really well from that point on. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, it comes up on, on my stuff all the time. Everyone loves it. And Oh, that question gets asked all the time. Usually it has no clue to electric boogaloo. <laughs> after it writes itself. Exactly. Yeah. Well, maybe it'll be, you know, maybe it'll be a Kickstarter. Maybe we'll do like, see if we can raise uh, 7 million bucks or whatever it costs to shoot, you know. I've got £5.38 you can have right now. That's in the bank, clear. Excellent. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so uh, what's next? I suppose he's asked by pretty much everyone recently or have you uh any plans um i know there's the book yeah i've written a, a, a novel i've written my first novel it's something that i've always wanted to do and uh so i thought you know if if um if i don't get it done in a pandemic when i'm locked in the house for a year <laughs> when, when am i going to do it so i i sat down and i i, I wrote the novel and i'm quite happy with it. it's gone through a number of re revisions now and um it's in the hands of a uh, kind of a top literary agent who's uh, reading it. I'm sure they will let me know whether it stinks or not. Um, <laughs> but I've had some I've had some notable people who know about these things read it, and and I've, the feedback has been really encouraging, really tremendous. I had some really good creative feedback about here's some things you could change to make this part better. But I've also just had some really encouraging feedback about one of the, one of the people. My favorite feedback on it was somebody said, "If I if I had paid fifteen bucks for this book in the airport, I would be completely satisfied." And I yeah. thought, well, that's the most tangible critique that you can get. So, <laughs> so yeah, I like the process so much that I'm currently writing my second novel. Wow! Uh, so whether or not the first one ever i mean it'll get out in the world some way or another even if it's just me photocopying and selling it out of the the boot of my vehicle um <laughs> however it gets done it'll get out in the world but i'm 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 starting with the notion of top literary agent approaching top publishers and then we'll winnow our way down we'll land somewhere <laughs> on that scale you'll be in the garage with one of those um old copiers mimeograph yeah the, yeah. Gest the gestetner yeah that's it with all the purple uh, <laughs> yeah. But I enjoyed the process enough that regardless of how it gets out in the world, I want to do another one. I, I'm, I, it was fun for me to write long form prose. It was, it was novel because for, you know, 20 years of writing scripts, it, you know, you're kind of, you're supposed to limit you, what you write to what you can film. And so you end up, you're never, you can never really talk about what somebody's thinking or what they're feeling because you can't dramatize it visually. Mm. 
but when you're writing a novel, you can you can say how somebody's feeling. You can you can talk about you, you can easily talk about something in their history without creating a, a you know a structural flashback you have to visualize. So I enjoyed the liberating process of it, but it's kind of funny because it's sort of like the grass is always greener, right? Yeah. I was talking to a New York Times best-selling author who's written 20 novels and he's been writing scripts. He's, he's uh, one of his books got optioned uh, for a series and he, or a movie and he's writing the script and he loves writing script because yeah. he's like, you don't got to worry about how people feel or what they're back. You just put it, whatever you can see and do, that's you put it. <laughs> so it's always that case of whatever you're used to doing, the other thing is more fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, it's, uh, it's a learning curve as well. It's, 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 get get a, get another thing under your belt there and yeah you know, see what happens it's always good fun i do it myself. i love learn i love learning stuff i love trying stuff that's different falling on my face and figuring it out i just that to me that was the funnest part about well i shouldn't say the funnest part because there's so much fun about doing corner gas but the notion of how do you put a half hour sitcom series together learning all that from uh, you know all these smart talented people learning how to work as a part of a big team to create an ongoing series. Uh, I, I love that process. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's been great talking again about, uh, cause I have to let you go and thank you for everything from a million fans that, uh, well, it's like over egging the pudding there, but uh, thousands of fans I get to hear from uh, <laughs> on a regular basis for everything you've done uh, for them and uh, for me personally as well. And uh, we're sad to see it go. I'm hoping there might be, so is there any chance it might come back in another form anytime? I mean, I, I I'm, I've learned long ago with Corner Gas, never say never. This is a, this is, it seems to be a bit of a zombie, this show. It has a tendency to rise up from the dirt. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> oh, I got to put another bullet in it. <laughs> it won't. So it seems to have a life of its own. So I've learned long ago to never say never. But having said that, you know, you know I don't want to, you know, build up people's false hope or anything. There's certainly nothing in the works. There's no thoughts or, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing in the works to as a new incarnation. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I, hopefully this isn't the end of our association. I'll keep flying the flag for oh, as long as I can. I, I'm putting on the no contact list after this. As soon as this is done, <laughs> click. <laughs> no, do. certainly. I don't. I, I'm sure it won't be. I'm sure it won't be our, our final chat. Yeah, indeed. Well, once when when the book gets out there and uh, and everything, and if, uh, hopefully stand up will come back. And the butt pod. Yeah, uh, this, the stand-up seems to be coming back. Like I, I'm getting bookings for the fall. Like I have my, one of my tours that was canceled is now rebooked for the fall. New gigs coming up for the fall. So that seems to be happening. Well, thank you ever so much again, sir. And um, hopefully, yeah, speak to you soon. And uh, Well, thanks, Ian. Always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for being such a champion of the show all these years. <laughs> we appreciate it. So there we go, my final official corner gas chat with Brent Butt. As you heard, he's got a lot of stuff on his plate at the moment, lots of new projects coming up, so hopefully I'll get to talk to him about that in the future at some, some point in time. So I hope you enjoyed that. I hope your questions got asked if you're out there and your question got asked. Please send me all the beer and chocolates in gratitude 
to the usual address and we've got a lot of exciting things coming up now i wasn't again i wasn't intending on having another season of the podcast there's been a lot of stuff going on and busy times and i just didn't know how i was going to fit it in but i think i figured something out and i've got a few ideas of guests i'm working on things at the moment that hopefully will be very exciting for you corner gas fans but nothing i can talk about yet all irons in the fire so what i'm going to do in the meantime there was a video i put out for season three when i did press for the release of that where i did a video with a long cardinal fred joannick and brent again and it was really good actually i enjoyed it it was good times but i never put it out as an audio release it's been on youtube you can see it there if you want to, if you search corner gas you'll find it there my beautiful bonds in the top left hand corner shining away underneath the uh, lovely lighting in my drippy garage so you can see that but i'm going to rip the audio and put it out as an audio cart so all you guys on itunes and spotify and apple music and all of that jazz that's the same as itunes isn't it what's the other one amazon 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 music for all your best music and podcast needs still trying to get that free subscription so check it out um i'll release it in a couple of weeks probably if you head over to the facebook page as i say the corner gas fan corner group corner gas fan corner the group you'll find out all the release details there so i'll release that and then i still in the bank have one interview i did with long cardinal that i have not released yet for many a reason but i shall put that out soon as well so there's three episodes in that you'll have to enjoy for season three and then hopefully i have a whole dozen more that i have planned as i say so in the meantime folks enjoy yourselves be safe out there and i'll see you again soon or you'll hear me again soon more accurately between your lug holes for another fantastic edition of the jackass cast mm-hmm.